Alrighty, we don't have notes because I've been I'm, basically I'm talking through some things. So just tune in, make some maybe some notes on paper, and and um, I, we won't. I don't think we'll get through with everything I have prepared tonight. I'm about ten pages in, trying to get a little bit of ahead. And then, like I said, we won't have anything next week, and we'll pick up the following week. So I hope you'll be back then. So when we finished up last week, we had gotten to the place where. Um, talking about the Jews coming back into the land of Israel. And, and so I'm, I'm going to pick up right here. So we talked about in World War I, at the end of World War I, which was around 20, uh, uh, 1917, 1918, I think it was 1918. So right in there, there were about 50,000 um, 50, Jews that were back in the land. Now remember, they've been run out. They've not, they've, they were dispersed. They were, uh, uh, there were some that were always there, I'm sure. But they're, they're now beginning to come back at the, at the end there of World War I. And so there's about 50,000 Jews in the land. Then by 1928, so you're talking 10 more years, there's almost 160,000. So they're, at that point, they're about 20% of the population that's in the land there. And there's people, there's always been people there. Always been people living there. But the Jews had been dispersed. So now they're coming back. So now there are, by 28, there's about 160,000. And so all through the, the middle part of the 20th century, there's this mass exodus of Jews that are leaving Europe and they're leaving elsewhere to go back to the promised land. And, uh, um, you know, as I said last week, it wasn't something easy. There were a lot of, I mean, there were quotas put on them on how many could come from here, from there, and how many could come in at a time. There was, there was dangers they faced. I read about different stories of where they were attacked, they were left out in boats out in the sea and they couldn't get in to, to get on land. There were just lots of things. It was a perilous time, but they kept coming. And so by the end of the Second World War in 1945, by that point now, there's 600,000 Jews that have come back to Palestine. Now, that's 400. So you're talking about um, 110,000 that come from the end of World War I to 1928. 110,000 more. So there are 160,000. So then from there, from, from 28 to 45, so you're talking about like 20 years, uh, less than 20 years, um, 440,000 more Jews have come back to the land of Israel, the land of, as it was called then, Palestine. And uh, we ended with this talking about they're back in the land. They're back there. They're back in the land of Israel. And the land of the, the, the promised land that God had given them, and all their enemies are gone. And we'll talk more about that tonight if we get far enough. But you know, the Moabites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Edomites, they're all gone. You don't find them anywhere. They're not, they're no longer there. And the and, and it's amazing how God's enemies and Israel's enemies disappear when they oppose Israel. Um, so just as God promised, the Jews are returning to their land. And it's their land. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's their land. So after World War II, and this is where we pick up tonight. So after World War II, David Ben-Gurion visited the Nazi death camps at Auschwitz and Belsen. And the result of that, of him visiting there, of him seeing the atrocities that were committed by, by the Germans, it, 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 it forged in him this desperate determination to establish a homeland for the Jewish people. And, and, and what was amazing was, here's his heart. His heart is... Man, he's just resolved that we're going, to have a, we're going to have a nation. We have to have a nation. We have to have our own nation for our people. And, and it's amazing that at that time, the nations of the world seemed to be in agreement of that. 
And so the time had come and the time was right and the time was now. And so their home, this home for the Jews, would be right there in their ancient land and the land that's now at that time called Palestine. So on the 14th of May in 1948, that was the day they declared independence. And it's interesting that just 11 minutes after the the declaration of independence by Israel, the United States recognized its existence. 11 minutes later, they were prepared. And, and, you know, if you want to talk about God's blessing on us from that point forward, I, I think that's as big as anything. And we'll talk more about that. I'm going to get ahead of myself. But it's interesting. President Truman was truly moved by the, the opportunity to do that. And uh, he, he, he signed it. And later there's a story I was reading, even this afternoon, I was re- reviewing something and was reading this. And he was talking about how he, he, he wept as, as someone from Israel was talking to him about how God put you in your mother's womb to be here for this day to do this. And he just wept. I mean, it was just a movie. Imagine, you're the president, and you that was one of the most historic things ever in the history of man. And he, he, got, to, he got to do that. That's a, I mean, I got some Jesus bumps right now. It's just, it's amazing. So uh, here's some things about the Palestinians, okay? So the, the nation was formed there in Palestine. They called it that, and we talked about that last week, how it got its name of Palestine. It was a name given, I think, by the Roman, that Roman general who conquered way back in like 132. And he, he changed names of a lot of things, but he named it in a way that the name Palestine is what stuck there. So we've got this idea today, and there's a lot of ignorant people in America who think that Palestine is called Palestine because of the Palestinians. That it's their land. They've got this idea of that. It's amazing what people could learn if they would just read a little bit and get their heads out from under rocks and different places that their head may be, and, and really acknowledge truth of real history and, and understand the truth of these things. See, um, uh, I think there, there would be people who would tell us that the Palestinians are kind of like the Native American Indians, that they were there first. It was their land, and the, the Jews drove them out. And in 48, when they, they come and make a nation there, they're taking over their land. But we know the history of that. This is their land that God gave to them. He proclaimed it would be their land. It's an eternal promise. And again, I'm getting ahead of myself. But the actual history of it is, it was not their land because they, the Palestinians, the people that were there, those Palestinian people, they were a, a wandering nomadic people who came from the peninsula of Saudi Arabia. And uh, the fact is that, that in, in late 1947, they were offered an opportunity to have their own state alongside Israel. Now, how many years has that been? 73 years since, since 48? 73, I think. 75? 48, 73, 73. So we're 73 years down the road. Um, they had an opportunity then to have their own state. And all through, as long as I can remember hearing history and hearing the news of what's going on over there, there's always been talk about a Palestinian state. Well, the Palestinians don't want a state. They just don't want Israel to be a state. They, it's not that they want their own nation, their own land. They just don't want Israel to have anything. And, and they said that in, in that not only did they refuse to have their own state, in fact, they, in, to, to go even further, they stated this. They said, 
that if the Jews proclaimed a state, they would finish what Hitler failed to do. They would drive the Jews into the Mediterranean. That was their response. And it's um, you know, on display then, and what we don't see on display today uh, was and is the, the intolerance of the Muslim uh, religion, of that Muslim faith, that Islamic faith. So, you know, we won't get into a study of world religions, but Islam, I'm amazed at how that is pushed as a religion of peace. Islam is pushed as a religion of peace, and Christians are, we're terrorists. And yet, I don't find anywhere in the world today where Christians are persecuting anyone. We're persecuting people because we believe in, in two genders. We believe in traditional marriage, biblical, not traditional, biblical marriage. That's what we believe. So we believe in these truths, and so we're we're intolerant, and we're and we're terrorists, and we're 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 all these horrible things. And yet, Islam is the the ones that you know they keep women down. Women have no rights. They throw homosexuals off of buildings. Um, if people are caught in adultery, they will they'll bury the woman to her waist and stone her to death. The man will walk free. Nothing. I mean, it's just a, it's a it's a messed up. Religion and it's going out there, so I may have folks come into my house. Um, but it, I'm going to speak truth, and it's it's true. So uh, don't buy into the lies that are told today that Islam is peaceful. There's nothing peaceful in Islam. And when they go back to Muhammad and his writings, his early writings, he was peaceful. But in Islam, the latest writing trumps the earlier writings, and the writings that he he made later on, he was he was. Vile, he was. Uh, it was. He was bloodthirsty. It was just. It's. Um, it's anything but a religion of peace, and that's just extra tonight. So the Jews, their fight for survival became a war for independence, because the very next day, May fourteenth, they they declare their their independence. On May the fifteenth, the very next day, they're invaded by Egypt. Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and, the, and contingents from Saudi Arabia and Iraq. So all of these gang up against little Israel, a brand new one-day-old nation, and they come against them. Um, British Field Marshal Montgomery had done a survey of the country and the nation there of Israel, and he proclaimed, this was maybe a week or two before they actually proclaimed their independence, and he made the prediction, he said that Israel could not survive a full-scale onslaught from the Arabs. That was his claim. And he said it would take the Arabs only eight days to destroy the Jews. Now, the situation was, was impossible, but I'll say this, but God. So it, it's a, it was impossible. And you look at it from worldly eyes, you go, it's impossible. And Montgomery, if he wasn't a believer, he ought to become a believer when he saw that, when, what he saw and he assessed as a, as a field marshal and understanding that, how bad that was and to see what God did. Listen, they were outnumbered. In soldiers, they were outnumbered 40 to 1. In population, they were outnumbered 100 to 1. In equipment, they were outnumbered 1,000 to 1. And in land mass, land area, they were out, outnumbered 5,000 to 1. So it's this little sliver of land. And if you've seen it on the map, I mean, it's, you look at the globe and it's, it's tiny. Israel's tiny. I've been there. We've driven from one end to the other. You can do it in no time. It's, it's, it's not that big. It's a little bitty piece of land. 
And all these big nations around come in on them. And uh, here's the thing, you know, for the Arabs it was a war for expansion, but for the Jews it was a war for survival. And that, there's, a, there's a different fight when it's a fight for survival. And, and at this point, uh, when you think of what the Jews had been through to that point, then to come back to their land and declare independence at that point, and the next day they're fighting, I, I guarantee you there was some fight. There was some fight in them. But you take that, and, and uh, whether they fought or not, God was going to, God fought fought for them, and uh, miraculously, miraculously. So that starts May 15th of 48. By, on, on February 24th of 49, the war for independence came to an end. I mean, it's a miraculous thing when you look at that battle right there. Uh, it came to an end. So uh, another miraculous fact when you look at Israel is that since the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70, Israel never became an independent state or permanent home for any other people. Now think about that. From the destruction in 70 A.D., never has that land been another country. It has been, it's been occupied. It's been conquered. In fact, it was conquered 14 times in 13 centuries. Everybody's brothers coming through there, and it was a piece of land that they would want to they would want to acquire. But nobody wanted it. Nobody took it. Nobody made that. It's it was, a, it was never a state. I think that's you know as I read that I didn't I didn't realize that. It's something I've learned as I've been studying this, I, th I find that fascinating. Again, how God protected that land for His people. So each conqueror took it in, as an occupied territory, uh, and they ruled it from outside. Now, writing about con the condition of Israel, Abraham, uh, Jos Joshua, Abraham Joshua Heschel, uh, in, a, in a book titled Israel, an Echo of Eternity, he wrote, Universal was the legacy of desolation. Most of the country had sunk back into the oblivion of swamp in the north and eroded soil and sand in the south. The 19th century found in the land a veritable hodgepodge of, of nations, ethnic and linguistic peoples, and religious belief. Except for the Jews, none regarded Palestine as a homeland, as a national political unity worthy of independence and nationhood. So nobody that was in there. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of different peoples, nationalities, ethnic groups, languages, all these different things, are, people are there. But nobody regarded that land. Nobody wanted it as a homeland. Nobody regarded it as a political unity, like, wow, we need to create a country here. Only the Jews had that desire. Now, um, when you, when you, if, you, if you know a little bit of the, about the history, the land, as he described it, was desolate. It had become very bad. If you'd seen pictures of Israel going back in, in the 1800s when there were pictures in the early 1900s before the nation is formed, there, I mean, it was a desolate place. It was, it, it, it was as he described it there. And um, it, was, it was desired by none. Let's see what else I wrote in here. All these... Uh, Here's what I think is fascinating, too. All the years that the Jews were gone, nobody wanted that land. The Arabs didn't want that land. The, the, I don't, you don't see the, the Arabs from Jordan coming over or the ones from Lebanon coming down. Or you don't see the Egyptians coming over and taking over the land and annexing. Nobody wanted the land. 
It didn't mean anything to them. But once the Jews come back, oh, now everybody wants the land. Now it's important. And it's, it's interesting that, um, well, let me, let me read this, and I'm going to read what Mark Twain said. So Mark Twain visited Israel in 1867, and he wrote in The Innocents Abroad. He said, this is just some excerpts. He said, Palestinian sits in sackcloth and ashes, desolate and unlovely. Nazareth is forlorn, forlorn. Jericho, the accursed, lies in a moldering ruin. Bethlehem and Bethany, in their poverty and their humiliation, have nothing about them now to remind one that they once knew the high honor of the Savior's presence. That's pretty fascinating words and language from Mark Twain, who was uh, proclaimed atheist, anti-God, vile man, really, uh, from everything I've read. Um, but he had an interesting insight to the land, and he describes it as just a desolate place. But it's amazing to see how God has blessed the land since it became a nation in 1948. I've driven, I, I'm not driven, I've ridden through there three different times. I've seen the country from one end to the other. And, and the, the thing I find most fascinating is, is down in the Dead Sea area where it's just desert, and you're riding through, and there's just what I would call, what we would call, I guess I'd call it a forest because they're palm trees. It's like palm tree farms. There's these huge palm trees, and it may be, it may be for date nuts, it may be for different things, but it's in the mid, there's nothing else growing there, and there's these palm trees. And when you hear how much water, and I don't remember, but Gina, you remember talking about the, the amount of water it takes for each palm tree is phenomenal, how much they got to have. Well, there's no water there. So it's, it's, it's just incredible, the technology even of what they have done, the Jews have done there. So the, the other thing they're doing is, is um, uh, if I can get the word right, desalination. So they've gone in there in the Dead Sea area. Now the Dead Sea uh, is sad because there's not a lot of water flowing in there now. So the Dead Sea every year is, is getting smaller and smaller. Uh, forever the Jordan was, a, I mean, a raging river. But everybody, Israel's pulling water off the Jordan River. Uh, the, jo the Jordanians are pulling water off the Jordan River. Everybody's pulling off that body of water. So the water that runs through from the mountains all the way in the north, all the way up at Mount Hermon, and the snow melts, and all that runs down and through Caesarea Philippi, and then it comes down and it flows into uh, the, the, the Sea of Galilee, which is really, it's a, I mean, it's like what we have here. You'd, you'd understand that because we got the lakes that the river flows in. It flows through and it flows out. And, and when you have that, you have life, right? Because the river flows through there and there's life. It's just teeming with life. They still fish that area. I mean, it's 12 miles long, 5 miles wide, and it's blessed. And that area up there is flourishing and growing and blooming, and it's just a beautiful area. It was not that way before it was a nation. I mean, they, their presence as a, as a God's people and God's blessing on that land, it's amazing to see what's happening. But then as it flows down, they're pulling water off of it. There's not a lot of water going into the Dead Sea. So where the Dead Sea was, we, we went, the first year I went in 04, where we, we parked um, or, or we went through this area and then we drove way down. But where we went in, it was, it was like a half mile down to the water. And that's how much it had come down the coastline in maybe 15, 20 years at that point. Well, the next year I go, the site we went to before, it's way away from the water. So from 04 to 19, so in, what was that, 15 years, again, it's, so the Dead Sea's dying. 
But what you have then, everywhere, all that area down there, it's all salt water. Salt, there's salt all in the, the ground. I mean, you, you know, you can't grow, you, you're not going to grow corn in there. But you know what they've done? They've gone in and they're, they're desalinating. That's the right word. They're doing that desalination process and they're taking the salt out of the, out of the ground. And now the ground is it's, it's profitable ground. It's, it's productive ground. I wish I had brought some of the articles about there, there's blooming in, in, down in the Dead Sea area. There's, there's actual flowers and life that is coming back to that area. It's blooming. It's popping up in these little holes, these little holes where the Dead Sea was. And they've got pockets where there's fresh water. How in the world? There's fresh water there. Um, the Dead Sea's called the Dead Sea because there's nothing alive in it. Oh, but wait, they're finding that there actually, there is some life in the Dead Sea. So it's just amazing as you look at that and you see the miracles of the things in, in, in the, the nation of Israel and how God has blessed the Jews. They're innovative people. They're, it's amazing. And the technologies and the things that they've done, all of a sudden, I wouldn't be surprised This, I got stupid thoughts run through my head. <laughs> so I got to tell you now. Y'all have seen the Beverly Hillbillies, right? So it starts out and, and Brother Jeb's out, Jed's out hunting, right? And he fires and he misses, but boom. And up come the ground came a bubbling crude oil, that is. You know, it, it, it just wouldn't surprise me if they hit oil. And like, there's never been... They've never seen big old huge pockets of oil. That Wouldn't it just, I could see it. I could see it and go, yeah, that makes sense. And, 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 and all of a sudden then Israel is, oil-wise, is one of the richest countries in the world. You may be right. I need to, we need to do some more research. You can bring me the details on that. I think you're right. It's amazing. It's amazing for a little bitty country, but I think they do have some oil. But, but, but I mean, you would almost expect that in that area. But wouldn't it be incredible if, you know, they've, they've hit a pocket and all of a sudden they go, you know what, somehow we've never seen this. We got this little thing here, but it runs down here and it's all this. Uh, but that would just make sense to me because God blesses that land. Now, I mean, it's, uh, I find it fascinating, this whole study of Israel and just seeing what God's doing. So Heschel, as I read from him before, he said this, Heschel passionately dem demonstrates the view of devout Jews through the years. He said, the love of this land was due to an imperative, not to an instinct, not to a sentiment. There is a covenant, an engagement of the people to the land. We live by covenants. We could not betray or pledge or discard the promise. When Israel was driven into exile, the pledge became a prayer, the prayer a dream, the dream a passion, a duty, a dedication. It is a commitment we must not, we must not betray. 3,000 years of faithfulness cannot be wiped off. To abandon the land would make a mockery of all our longings, prayer, and commitments. To abandon the land would be to repudiate the Bible. I mean, they have, they have never given up 
on going back to the land. They have held to the covenant. And they, they have understood the, the promises that God made to them, that it is their land. King David wrote in Psalm 137, verses 5 and 6, he says, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. The Jews, through all of that, never forgot Jerusalem. And God never forgot Jerusalem. Amen? All right, so I know we're not going to get through this, but we're going to start part two. And uh, we're going to pick up now... This part here, I'm just telling you, I'm teaching, I'm teaching David Jeremiah's as I read this stuff here, talking about Israel. He, he makes some very keen insights and observations about the Abrahamic covenant. So I'm teaching, this is from his book, The Nation of Israel. I mean, uh, this, uh, from his book, The Book of Signs. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to teach through this, what he was teaching there as he was talking about Israel. And uh, we may get through a good part of this. So we go back again, May 14th, 1948, 4 o'clock p.m. local time. Israel declares in independence. Israel is a nation, is again a nation. For all that history, all those thousands of years that it was not a nation, and now instantly, Isaiah 66, 8, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. And it's just amazing to see that that to come together that quick. You, you, I mean, think about 1948, back up 10 years. Who could have dreamed that in 10 years Israel would be a nation? I mean, there were, you would have, that would have been, you would, there would be no way you would have imagined that. I think you go back five years and you would find it hard-pressed to believe that. 1945, just three years earlier. World War II just coming to an end. You would find that hard to imagine that Israel is going to become a nation. And yet that's exactly what God did. And God used everything that was going on in the chaos of the world at that time to bring that about. And there's Israel. Boom. There's Israel. So to understand Israel, we really got to go back to the Abrahamic covenant. And we talked last week about the history of Israel, how it came to be. And we talk about Israel as a chosen people, and they are a chosen people. God chose them and he created them. I mean, he brought them. For, it was a miraculous birth. You remember that. Isaac, that, that before Isaac, there were no Jews. Isaac is the Jew. He's the child of promise. He, he is, I mean, it, and it's from, it's from a 100-year-old Abraham and a 90-year-old Sarah. Any, any 90-year-olds in here want to have a baby? We don't have any 90-year-olds here? No. Gina, you want to have another one? You're not 90, but it'd be, I mean, I mean you think about the miracle that that was, that, but that's God's work to bring his special people. So here we are. We get to Genesis 12, and we find the Abrahamic covenant. And, and we're going to see it in a few places, but this is the first time we hear it. Genesis 12 Verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, 
The first thing we see here is we find four unconditional promises. You know what unconditional is? It means there's no conditions. It wasn't, if you do this, then I'll do this. There's four unconditional promises that, that God makes here. First, he says, I will bless you. Well, you can put a check mark right there. That's been fulfilled because God blessed Abraham in many ways. Um, he's been revered for thousands of years by not only the Jews and the Christians, but also the Muslims. Abraham has been revered for all this time. So when God said, I will bless you, Abraham was blessed. And, and we, we could go even into greater detail in the blessing in his life right there. God brought him to that land. God multiplied him. He gave him great favor. He grew in great wealth. He was a, a prominent man in his own day. So he was blessed. And God said, I will make you a great nation. Check again. So today... And I looked at the numbers today as I, as I was finalizing this. I looked at these numbers. So today there are more than 6.7 million Jews that live in Israel alone. Um, there's another 5.7 million in America. I didn't know that. So there's 15.2 million Jews worldwide. If I said Jews in Germany, what would, you, what would be your thoughts there? No, I mean, I mean today. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I would think too if I said that. So, meaning today. So, I say today. If I'm talking about Jews in Germany, what's your thoughts? I mean, what what comes through your mind if I talk about Jews in Germany today? That's exactly what I thought. I thought, why would a Jew be in Germany? I mean, of all the places to be, I'm sure there were some some that survived and and they and they stayed there, which is amazing to me. Today, it's the eighth. There's the eighth largest population of Jews in the world are in Germany. 118,000 Jews are there. Blew my mind. Blew my mind. But they're all over, they're all over the world. They, they truly, and oh man, I wish I'd have written this down. But there was a projection of like by, nine, by, by 2050 or 2040, how many, there was going to be like um, 20 or 30 million Jews World, I mean, it's, it's amazing the number, how they're, they're going to grow, uh, that they are growing. So it, it, it's just incredible. So check. I'll make you a great nation. You can check that off. He said, and, uh, and you shall be a blessing. God said, and you shall be a blessing. Well, the Jews truly have been a blessing to the world. Amen? I mean, when you look at it, you think about, so without the Jews, and people will push back on this, but, but I agree with what he says here, you have no Bible. We talked about this Sunday. I don't think I got to this part. The authors of the Bible, with the exception maybe of Luke and, and the book of Acts, Jews wrote it all. And not everybody agrees that that's the case. Some would agree, would believe that Luke may not have been, Luke might Luke might have actually been a, a Jew. I don't I don't believe that. I think Jew was uh, Luke was not a Jew. Um, but every other book is written by Jews. So you have without the Jews, you have no Bible. You have no Ten Commandments. You realize that's the basis of systems of law um, the world over among, um, among civilized nations. It's, it's from the Ten Commandments, the, 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 the law that has come out of that and, and the way countries do their legal system, that whole basis of that system is a blessing that we get from the Jews and back to the Ten Commandments. If there's no Jews, there's no Jesus, and without, without the Jewish Jesus, there's no Christianity. So, so, you know, when God said, you shall be a blessing, 
the Jews, Abraham, his descendants, this nation of Israel has been a blessing to the world. And you could look in, we could go dig in deeper, and you start digging into the technology and the knowledge that the Jews have brought into the world, the, the, the arts and just different things. Um, check. Next thing, the fourth thing is, he said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And so perhaps one of the reasons that the U.S. has been so blessed as a nation is due to our stance and our stand with Israel. And, and, and I'll say this, it, it ought to give us maybe some concern at this time. It certainly gives me some concern. You know, when you look at, you look at the prosperity our country was facing a year ago. A little over, a little over, yeah, a year ago. Wow, it's changed a lot in a year. It's hard to believe it's only been a year and how much it's changed. But I, but I think a lot of the blessing, um, Trump wasn't perfect. Trump, Trump had a lot of ways about him and a lot of folks didn't like, a lot of things they didn't like. But Trump took the capital, and, you know, just about every president for years and years and years said, oh, yeah, we're going to move the capital, we're going to move the, the, um, the embassy back to, to Israel. To uh, Jerusalem, we're going to acknowledge that. Well, we got to go there in 2019. We got to stand there and get pictures there in front of that that embassy there. And Trump acknowledged that Jerusalem is the capital, and the stance that he took for Israel, I believe, is a big part of the blessing that was on that administration, the prosperity that we saw as a nation. Now, I was talking with someone today, and they were asking about, well, where is where are where is America in 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 Prophecy. Well, I don't see America there. And people have always thought, well, you know, does that mean you know, America's been nuked off the face of the earth? No, it doesn't have to be. Do you realize that if Russia invaded, decided to invade Israel right now, all it takes for us not to be involved is a president like we have who says, that's not our problem. We're not, we're not going to send our boys in there. We're not standing with them. They made the problem. It's their problem. That's all it takes. And I think that's, you know, it's kind of, so when you, when you look at where's America, we're, I don't see America in prophecy, and we'll talk about that in the days to come. I don't see us in there. But it not, it's not necessarily that America has been blown off the face of the earth. We just aren't going to do anything. Just stand back and, and watch. Um, here... In America, the Jews that are here, they're, they're free to retain their religion. You know, there are pockets of, of, of Jewish communities. They, they can live by their, by their uh, religious beliefs. There's, that's the beauty of America. There's religious freedom. Uh, they can do that. They're blessed in that way here. Um, here they have economic, social, and educational opportunities. And, and I'd say this, for true Christian churches, true Christian churches in America, uh, I think true Christian churches, we're, we're a buffer between the Jews and anti-Semitism. You know, I've, I've heard of some churches in America recently that are, there's some, there's some weird folks out there, people. Amen. There's some weirdos out there. And there's some folks that are just staunchly anti-Jew that claim they're Christian. And they're just anti-Jew. Well, good luck with that. We'll see how that works out for you. Um, I, I'm, I'm, 
I am staunchly pro-Jew, pro-Israel. Staunchly. Um, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm going to pray for those people. I'm going to support those people. Uh, if they hate me, I don't care. I'm going to pray for them because I know what Scripture says and I know that they are God's people. And God is not done with them. So this promise, um, this promise, these promises here, this promise that the Lord's given, that I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. When we understand this, it, it helps us to understand everything that's going on in the world today with Israel as a nation. You see the, 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 the fights, the constant unrest in the Middle East. It's a result of this. And, and the fighting that's going to go on there and those that are going to try to curse Israel. I mean, Saddam Hussein, wasn't it Saddam Hussein who shot Scud missiles at Israel during the Gulf War? Yep, I'd forgotten that. I was reading about that. Well, where's Sodom? That worked out good for him, didn't it? I'm not going to be shooting any Scud missiles at Israel, I promise you. So the future of, of Israel as we watch this, we see the things going on in the Middle East, and we see the future of, of Israel as a nation and, and how the destiny of today's nations will, will, will be affected by their stand for or against Israel. The way things are going to fall those that stand for Israel, I, I do believe there will be protection. We'll get more into that next week. I'm going to stop right there. So I'm going to stop five minutes early because if I go any further, I'm going to go 20 minutes over. So um, y'all are glad I would stop a little bit early. All right. Any questions, comments? Um, anything before we dismiss tonight? Yes, ma'am. I have not mapped out where I'm going, so there's a lot of places I can go. I mean, we're, we're going to go, like I've said, we're going to take a step at a time through this, and it may be something that, that would be to look at. We, we were at something last week, Pastor Aaron and I went up to First Baptist uh, Daytona, and they were doing, they had a creation science guy there, and was, he was talking about the races going back. He was talking about the languages going back, and a lot of that stuff is it's fascinating. Um, you know, all the millions of years. Okay. Nothing? Yes, ma'am. Bill's brother, Chuck. Prostate cancer? Chemo. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. All right. Any, nothing else? All right. A little early tonight? How about that? You get a bonus, then you're off next week. You just come and just get to gorge on a bunch of great food. We're going to have a great, great time. Uh, Pans are here, so if, you, if you're planning to bring a side next Wednesday, you can go ahead and get your pan or two pans, get your pan for your banana pudding, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is you're planning to bring, banana pudding or, or red velvet cake or, uh, you know. I, those, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, not that I have a preference for those things. That's just what pops in my head. 
Um, so, yeah, whatever, whatever. All right. Well, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. All right, Lord, thank you again for the blessing of being here in your house, Lord, with, with your people. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is a highlight for me in my week. Every week is to be right here with these folks. And uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Lord, you have given us everything we need. And there is a lifetime of information, transformation from the information for us that's available to us right there at our fingertips. So, Lord, I pray if there's any in here that, that, that really don't have a love for your word or a desire to be in it, I pray you'd give us that. And that, Lord, even tonight we might go home and read. Just get in your word and, and bathe our minds in the word of God. So thank you for the blessing of your word and your revealed mind and heart and thoughts and will to us. Lord, we, we're just so grateful for that. Lord, watch over and keep us safe tonight. We, we, we look forward, Lord, to uh, a good rest of this week. Give us opportunities to share our faith. And uh, Lord, I pray again for the best family and blessing the service on Saturday. And then, Lord, we look forward to being back here in your house Sunday morning to worship our risen Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. <laughs>